If you weren't here with us last week, um, I introduced uh, the first really part of a two-part message on the theme of worship. And uh, what I wanted to do was just take a couple of Sundays and just have one sort of message where we, where we talk about what is worship. But more, more importantly, today we're going to kind of dive into the importance of singing together and worshiping God as a community together. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to share some of the science of singing with you. Yeah, all right. You guys are excited. I love it. I love the energy in the room right now. All right. Uh, so we're talking about worship. Just for a quick recap, last week I kind of kicked things off with saying, hey, the way we use words, um, the way we use words is actually um, kind of crazy because uh, when you hear a word like the word worship, for different people, different things come to mind. If you're from a traditional background, maybe you think of mass, liturgy, that kind of thing. If you've been around this church for a while, then when you hear the word worship, you probably think about the, the time that we just had where we stand and sing together as a, as a community. Um, that's certainly a, a very important part of worship. We're going to focus on that today. But worship is really important for me to state that worship is so much bigger than that. Um, worship is, is, is bigger than just singing. Worship actually touches every part of our life. The, the definition of the word worship is an old English word that literally means worth-ship or something that is value, to acknowledge the value of something. So in essence, worship is the valuing of something over something else. It's placing a high value on something. That's worship, which is why last week I said everyone, everyone worships. So, so whether you're like, I'm not a religious person, I don't even sing, you still worship because every day you wake up and you, you place things in a, a priority value. You go, this is important to me. I'm going to spend my time on this. I'm going to spend my money. I'm going to hang out with these people, not those people. That is the basic essence of worship, choosing one thing over another, elevating one thing over another. And of course, when we're talking about worship as it pertains to our faith and God, what we're talking about is placing God in the highest place of value and love, so that from there, everything else in our life trickles down. It has an effect where everything else comes into line. So it's not a question of if we worship. We said this last week. It's actually a question of what we worship. We all value something most. And if you want to know what it is, then you can literally just look at your life. You can examine your life, and what you'll discover is the way you spend your money, the way you spend your time, the things you talk about, the things you think about all the time, those things will actually give you a hint as to what you value because what we value becomes visible. And you know this is true. I said this last week that like if, if parents really love their kids, and I think it's safe to say most parents really love their kids, when their kids do something great, they got the phone out and they're cheering. And so there's this, this expression that's external because of the value and love that they have for their kids. And I kind of closed the service last week by saying, if we really knew who God was, if we really saw him for who he is, if we really understood what God had done for us and how much he loves us and his great sacrifice for us, like when the music starts or when someone talks about it or reads scripture, our hearts would just swell and be overwhelmed. And we would, we would then have these outward expressions of our love and adoration and worship to God. Last week uh, could be summed up this way. We talked about responding to God in worship. And I, I shared with you some Hebrew words of praise. How many of you remember those? See show of hands. All right, this is going to be a bit of a participatory uh, message. So Hebrew words for praise. Let me just quickly run through them. Tehillah is the Hebrew word for sing. And this is used over 300 times. It's one of the key and primary ways that the nation of Israel worshiped God when they came to the temple uh, and in their synagogues as they sang to God. Halal means to brag or to boast. Yoda means the raising of hands. I always found it so interesting that people come to church and there'll be this song and we're worshiping God and some hands will go up. It's like, wow, that's a church where they raise their hands. It's like, have you guys been to a concert? 
Everybody's like, eh, you get the lighters out and everyone's going to get, have you been to a sports game? Like hands are up. Oh, it's like so natural. It's a natural form of expression, but somehow it's weird in church. I don't get that. Okay. Raising of hands. Zamar is to pluck or to play an instrument, right? Nothing wrong with a good old guitar solo in church. Well, that's cool. Uh, taka means to clap or applaud, right? This is, these are natural expressions. As you know, uh, the next one says to kara is to dance. So when you're really excited and happy, you've just won the lottery, you're just like, yeah, you don't care. You, you're dancing like, you don't care. Shabak, shout with a loud voice. <sighs> Amazing. Barak means to kneel and bless the Lord. And I love this last one. Hallelujah is a spontaneous outcry. Uh, one, of the, um, one of the shows I like to watch is uh, America's Got Talent, Britain's Got Talent, that kind of thing. Because you never know what's going to happen next, right? They have these people come up and you see them and you're like, oh, this is going to go badly. They're like nervous and, and they don't look like a singer or a musician. And then the music starts and everyone's kind of holding their breath and it's like, oh, it's like this beautiful angelic voice comes out and literally the room erupts with a hallelujah. It's like this spontaneous oh, hands go up, people standing, cheering, shouting. There's this moment where there's this spontaneous outcry. How much more should we respond to God in this way if we really, really understood who he was? But uh, let me show you one passage of scripture before we move on to some new content. It's found in Exodus uh, chapter 15. And prior to this, God opens up the Red Sea and the nation of Israel, they're, they're being pursued by the Egyptian army. They come through the Red Sea and they come to the other side and the Egyptian army decides to follow them into the seabed. And while they're in the midst of it, God causes the sea to close and destroys the entire Egyptian army. Chariots, horsemen, spearmen, archers, they're all destroyed. And here's the people see what God, they see the hand of God. And they're like, whoa, it's like that spontaneous, oh, did you see what just happened? And so Miriam, who is the sister of Aaron, the high priest, she takes a tambourine in her hand. You know, uh, she's got the, the tambourine and all the women went after her with tambourines and dances. There's like, they've got the tambourines going, they're dancing. That's about all you're going to get from me. And thank you. I appreciate that. Someone said that was good. Uh, so they're out there. And then in the next part, of the, it says that she sang a song to them. So she's singing to the people and then the people are singing back to her in refrain. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider thrown into the sea. It's like, look what God just did. Look what God just did. She's singing, dancing, tambourine. This is, this is an outward expression of value, a response to who God is and what he's done. But that is level one stuff. Like, it's cool. When you are in a financial uh, difficulty and all of a sudden a check comes in the mail and you're like, God did that. And it's like, yeah, and you're singing and dancing around your house. That's like level one worship. Because that's just you responding to what God has done, which is totally cool and should happen. But responding in worship is level one stuff. I want to ask you today, who wants to talk about level two worship? Anybody? Like eight, nine people. Come on, you can do better than that, guys. All right, I see. Okay. So they're like, yeah, fine. Tell me about level two uh, worship. Okay. Level two is choosing to worship. You see, choosing to worship is, is a whole other thing. It's one thing for worship to be a natural response to what we love and value, to what God does. But when we choose to worship it, it brings faith into the mix. And we're, you know, because here's the thing. Um, it's easy when we sense God's presence to be like, oh, I trust you, God. But what about those times, and we've all had them, and maybe we'll continue to have them. What about those times when, you, when you're in a hard place and you're like, God, I, I, I don't know if you're really with me. I don't feel your presence. 
I know you said this, but everything's going the opposite way. What happens when we're in the dark places where it doesn't seem like God is coming through, when it doesn't seem like things are going as they ought to do? What do we do then? And that's where I want to pick up our stories in Acts 16. And in Acts 16, we see that Paul and Silas are arrested. Now, this is important because Paul and Silas have gone out and they're preaching about Jesus and they cause a scene in the community and some of the community leaders are, leaders are mad. And so they have uh, Paul and Silas arrested. There's no trial, right? They literally, uh, as you're going to just see in just a second, they get beaten up and thrown into jail for doing the right thing. Anybody ever had a situation that you're like trying to do the right thing and things get worse? And you're like, where's God? Like, <laughs> I don't feel like singing anymore, right? And it says when they had inflicted many blows upon them, many blows, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safe. So they've been kicked, beaten, punched, whatever, flogged in some way. And having received this order, he, the jailer, put them in the inner prison and fastened them, their feet in the stocks. So I want you to picture this. They're taken from this rowdy crowd, this mob, and they're brought to prison after being beaten. They're probably bleeding, bruised, and they get thrown into the, the center of the prison. Okay, they're surrounded by other prisoners, and they're probably sitting on a cold stone floor with their feet in stocks. That's the situation. And I want to ask you the question, because I think we read stories like this, and we don't stop long enough to go, how would I respond? Like, like how would you respond? If you were trying to do the right thing and honor God and all of a sudden you're in this terrible situation, you're, I mean, I don't know about you, but I would probably complain. I'll just be honest with you. My first reaction would be like, this isn't fair. I was doing the right thing. I, someone else should be here, not me. I might begin to question God, be like, God, I thought you said that if I honored you and did the right things, that everything would always work out. And now I'm here. I might say something like, God, I, um, I know you have a plan, but I don't see the plan. Do you have a plan? Am I the only person in this situation who would be like, I don't, I don't know how I'd respond, but this is a tough, tough situation. And I love what the next verse says, verse 25. And we're just going to stop off the first few words. This is about midnight. And I love that it specifies the time that what is about to transpire transpires. It says midnight. Do you guys know, I'm going to ask you a question. I looked it up on Google, so I know it's true. Um, do you know what the darkest time of night is? Hint. Yeah, midnight. Midnight is the darkest. I know someone's like, well, it's always darkest right before the dawn. That's like a nice idea. It's, <laughs> but it's not true. <laughs> All right. The darkest time of night is generally midnight. So if the sun goes down at 7 p.m. and it comes up at 7 a.m., it's kind of the earth is spinning, then the darkest time would be at midnight. And that's generally true. Okay. So it's, it's at the darkest time of night. I don't know what they were doing. I'm guessing they were thrown into prison before it was dark, like during the day. And, and so they're just sitting there all evening. And they wait until the absolute darkest time of night. People are probably trying to sleep in the prison. And look what it says. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. That piece I understand. <laughs> Where are you? Um, and singing hymns. At midnight. If my kids started singing hymns at midnight, I would be mad personally. But they're singing hymns in the middle. It's midnight. They're in jail. They're in stocks. They're cold. They're hungry. They're, they're beaten. They're bruised. And they start singing to God. And the prisoners are listening to them. Paul and Silas, in their situation, decided to sing. I can just imagine it, right? Paul's like, Jesus, we love you. Meow, meow, meow. Oh, how we... Silas, sing with me. Oh, we love you. Silas can't sing, but it doesn't matter. 
As you're going to find out, even if you can't sing, you should sing anyways. That's what we're going to talk about today. But Paul and Silas are singing. They're worshiping God in the midst of the darkest place, at the darkest time, with bruises on their body. And here's the thing. They decided that even though it didn't look like God was with them, God was with them. That even though it didn't look like God was faithful, they held him to be faithful. Even if it looked like God didn't have a plan, they knew he did. So instead of panic, instead of fear, instead of complaint, instead of depression, all those things that we naturally turn to, they decided to sing. The title of my message today is, I choose to sing. Can we say that together? I choose to sing. Did you know that you can choose to sing no matter what the situation? And there's a lot of stuff in your life you can't control. You can't control the weather. You can't control the economy. You can't control what other people do. You can't control what the government does. You can't control sometimes even what your body does <laughs> to you. Uh-huh. Stuff happens. You can't control that. But what you can do is you can control your attitude. You can control your faith. And you can choose to sing. And I'm going to show you today why singing is so important and why you ought to sing. Is that cool? So what I'm going to do, I'm going to share some of the science of singing. But I need you to engage. I need you to lean in. Who wants to hear about some science? Anybody like science? Okay. Um, you may or may not know this, but when you speak or sing, when you project sound from your body, um, sound actually travels through the air in a wave. Some of you have seen, you know, music waves. You see them in, in like different uh, software and stuff, okay? And it actually looks like this, like a sine wave, okay? That's what your, your voice would sound like. And so what's really cool is like, when I'm making a sound, it's coming on my voice, it's actually energy that's leaving my body. So your lungs work like bellows, and they're pumping air, and that air is going through your larynx, right, your vocal cords, and you have strings in there, it's just like a guitar, a stringed instrument, and it's vibrating at a certain frequency, and then those sounds can be shaped and changed as they come through your nose and mouth out into the world. But what's so cool is that the sound that's traveling, so when I'm talking, it's not air that's hitting you, it's energy that's traveling through the air that dissipates as it goes through the air, okay? So sound is energy. And here's what's so cool. When you open your mouth and speak, when you inhale and sing out with all of your might, do you know what you're doing? You're, you're expelling energy into the world, into the universe. Now, I'm not trying to get all creepy and weird, right? Like, oh, you need good energy. I'm saying when you sing, when you speak, energy comes out of you. And here's what's so cool is the sound or the energy that comes out of you is unique. Did you know that? Just like there is no other person alive that is just like you. Nobody has the same fingerprints as you. No one has the same voice. It is as unique as you are, which is so cool, which is why you can use voice recognition software. And it works because there's only one you. No, other people might sound like you, but there is only one you, which is, by the way, one of the reasons why we ought to sing. One of the reasons why we ought to open our mouths and speak what God has said, because we are actually putting our voice, our energy out into the universe. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I I think that's pretty neat. And those sound waves, they do all kinds of interesting things, which we can't get into all of it today. But let me give you a few of the benefits of singing together, okay? The first benefit of singing together, and I'm thankful that there are people way smarter than me that study this scientifically, and they have all these reports and, and things that map out all of this. But the benefits of singing, number one, is it brings unity. Did you know that? When people sing together, it unifies them. You know, I, I like to watch old like World War II movies and stuff, and you would have these squadrons or these platoons of men, and, and these manly men carrying rifles would all be singing together as they go into battle, la, 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 and they're singing. In the olden days, you know, they used to bang on drums, and they had marches and horns, and like music and singing has been a part of 
humanity for as long as we know. Okay? People sang together. Tribes would gather around and, and they would sing together and make music together. And this is, this is a powerful unifying factor. Today, we show up at a sports coliseum, an arena, and we all stand and we sing, Oh, Canada. And we're singing in unison. And we're like, oh, yeah, there's this country that we all belong to. And we're part of a community. And we sing and it brings unity. I've got a little uh, image here of a whole bunch of people, well, three. And they're all singing the same note. By the way, these waves are different sizes, okay? So this is kind of interesting. Uh, the taller the waves are, the louder it is. And the shorter the waves are, the quieter, the quieter it is, okay? That's called amplitude, okay? And then frequency is the, the speed at which these, these waves happen. And so if the wave is really tiny or short waves... That's high notes, high, high. It's as high as I can go. High notes, that's high. And if they're longer waves, it's low, low waves. And your ears can only hear a certain spectrum, which is really cool because like radio waves and like we have wireless mics and all that stuff is traveling in frequencies you can't hear. But if you could hear it, this room would be full of noise. You'd hear 100 radio stations, TV channels. You'd hear all kinds of stuff, wireless cell phone chatter, text messages, beeps and clicks. All that stuff's happening. You just can't hear it. All right, so we have these waves that are, are traveling. What's cool is when the waves line up, it's unifying. I'm going to show you. I got my guitar here. I'm going to throw the uh, tech guys for a loop. Let's, uh, if you can give me a little bit of noise on this thing, I'm going to show you how this works. This is kind of fun. Turn that off. All right. Need lots of volume on this thing. I don't have lots of volume yet. Crank it. <laughs> we got any more? Yeah, keep coming. So these are two harmonic notes. I'm going to play them together, and I want you to watch what happens. This is going to be awesome later when I go to worship and my guitar is all in tune. So that's pretty awesome. We'll do that. Um, what I wanted you to hear was that like when the, when the two notes are, are in sync, when they're waving together, you get this really clear tone. And when the frequencies go off, they start to collide and crash and it makes all this warbling sound. So one of the benefits of singing is that it brings unity. So let's just try this. I want to get everyone to sing. Okay. I want you I'll give you a note and we're all just going to sing together. Ah, that's pretty good. Now, here, let me tell you what just happened. We're all singing the same note, so we're all vibrating our vocal cords at the same frequency. So what's really cool is like literally our bodies, something in our bodies is vibrating at the same frequency. That's part of the unity that it brings. And it's so cool when you're in a room full of people and everyone is singing together, there's like an energy... And that energy is vibrations because sound isn't just what you hear. It's what you feel because it's, it's vibrations. It's energy. Is that making sense? Okay. So next, here we go. We got um, the benefits of singing together. It lowers blood pressure and stress. Did you know this? It lowers like this. I'm not making this up. Okay. Scientists have done run experiments and people who sing together, it actually lowers your blood pressure. It lowers your stress. There's all kinds of cool things that happen in, in your body when we sing together. Uh, there was actually a, a study done, which was really interesting. They had a choir that was singing together. And so they got the choir and they're all singing in unison. 
and they put heart monitors on them all, and as they sang, all their heart rates began to align. You're like, that's not true. It's true. It's incredible. It just brings unity as people sing, lowers blood pressure and stress. Here's the last one we'll talk about, and there's more, but it improves mental health. That when you sing with other people, there's endorphins or whatever released in your brain that decrease stress that actually cause your mental health to your mood to improve. So like, even if the Bible didn't say, sing unto the Lord a new song, even if it didn't say, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, don't you think it would be a good idea to sing anyways? Right? So just strictly from a scientific perspective, it just makes sense that we would, would sing to God. A couple other things I, I want to share with you. The first is this, that um, when we sing in unison, something really cool happens. So if you take two, two notes, two frequencies, and these are the same, they're singing the same note together. And what happens is these waves, they, they get added together and it makes a larger wave of the same form. This is called amplification. So I was singing up here, uh, and then you guys all started joining and the volume came up because all of our waves are adding together. This is called um, amplification. But there's something else that I think is really cool that I want to share with you. Is that when waves are, this is waves in phase. When waves are out of phase, so when the waves are opposites and they collide, guess what happens? It cancels. So just like if you have two plus two, what happens? You get four. But if you have a plus two and a minus two and you add them together, what do you get? Zero. So they tell me, I don't know how I could show this to you or demonstrate it, but if you had two speakers, and I put them on the stage here, and one speaker I played a tone really loud through the speaker. It was like, ooh, there's a tone. And then on the other one, we took the same tone and we f- inverted the phase. So while one's going up, the other one wave is going down. And if they were uh, opposites and out of phase, you would hear nothing. They would cancel each other out. Which, by the way, um, I got these um, noise-canceling headphones. I can't hear anything. I got these noise-canceling headphones uh, about a year ago, and I always wondered how it works. And so I was, again, studying all the, the science of sound. And, and what's really cool is the way that these, some of you have this technology, you don't know how it works. What these headphones do, when I put them on, I say there's a lawnmower outside my house and I'm trying to work, and I put these on. There's a, a microphone on the, on the headphones, and it's listening to the sound of the, whatever it is, the kid, or it's listening to the sound of the lawnmower. And what it does is it actually inverts the phase and produces the opposite sound in my headphones, and it cancels it out so I can't hear it. Isn't that cool? And as I'm reading all this, it got me thinking and wondering. I, I wonder if, if when we speak... And our speech and our songs and the things that come out of our mouth align with what God has said and with what is true, whether that amplifies what is true and right in our lives. And if when God says this is true and I'm saying the opposite, whether I'm canceling out what God has said. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm like literally noise canceling what God is saying. I I can't make a doctrine out of this, so please just take it all with a grain of salt. But it just got me wondering. And then I was reading uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.16, which is really fascinating. And Paul and his companions write to the Thessalonian church in the first century. And here's what they say. Rejoice when? Rejoice always. Yeah, so not, not rejoice when things are going well. Rejoice always. In the good days, in the bad days. When you're feeling like it and you're not, rejoice. See, this is level two stuff. This isn't level one. This isn't just like, oh, God did something great. Hallelujah. This is like, no matter what happens, I'm going to choose to rejoice. Pray what? Without ceasing. It means you don't just pray when you're in trouble. You don't just pray when you're thrilled with what God has done. You pray all the time. Lastly, he says, give thanks in all circumstances. So not just when things are going well, 
Not just when the sun is shining, not just when your kids are all getting along, not just when your finances are in good order, but give thanks in all circumstances. Then he goes on to say this. He says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Now, I've read this so many times and I'm like, what does quenching the spirit have to do with this? And then it dawned on me as I was thinking about my noise canceling headphones that that what Paul is saying is like, you have a choice of what's going to come out your mouth. You can either rejoice or you can complain. You can either speak truth or you can, you can gripe and, and you can be miserable. Like you can decide what comes out of your mouth. You can choose to sing or you can choose to sulk. And it, and it matters because what he's saying is, is if you're not doing those things, you're going to quench the spirit. You're literally, you know what quench means? It means to diminish, to cancel out. To push it down. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Paul understood noise canceling in the first century. But he understood that what comes out of our mouth matters. It changes everything. And, and, and so that's enough about the science of sound. But I, I just found it very, very, very fascinating. So we're going to turn back to our, our story. Uh, Paul and Silas are in prison. They're singing. And if you've never heard this story before, if you've never read it, then yeah, you're going to be surprised. It's kind of cool. If you have, you know where it's going. But about Paul, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. That's cool, right? The prisoners are listening. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. So you had all these people listening to them sing in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden there's an earthquake, and the foundations of the prison are shaken. That's, that's pretty epic. And then it goes on to say this, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. This is fascinating to me. Because it's not like Paul and Silas are miraculously set free because of their worship and because God is helping them. It's like everyone's set free. And, and I simply wrote this, this point down because I think this is true. Your faith may be personal, but the effects of your faith are public. Your faith may be personal, but the effects... Because they chose to sing, because they were honoring God, because they did that, it impacted other people. And this is true in your life. When you claim and speak what is true and you uh, worship God and you're full of thanksgiving instead of complaining, do you think that affects the people around you? Yeah. And how about the opposite is also true. If you embrace fear and anger and bitterness, do you think that affects the people around you? Yeah. Your friends, your parents, your kids, your spouse, they, they all feel it. So it's like, well, that's personal. That's my choice, but my choice affects others. And so when we choose to sing, when we choose to worship God by faith, it impacts everybody around us. I love this. As the story continues, the jailer wakes up, sees that the prison doors are all open. He draws out his sword to kill himself. And he did this because he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. In those days, if you were the prison guard and prisoners escaped, you would lose your life. And so he sees the doors open. And this is really the second miracle. The first miracle is that everyone's chains are undone. The second miracle is that the prisoners don't run away. That's kind of cool. And he draws his sword to take his life. And Paul cries to him with a loud voice. He says, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer um, called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Why do you think he fell down before Paul and Silas after the earthquake? I think the answer is he heard them singing. He knew that they were the cause. He knew that something they were doing had caused this to happen. And he watched it. And, 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 and he falls down before them. And here's what he says next. He says, then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He saw their response and went like, that's not natural. 
You probably heard them singing, well, these guys, they, they're trusting in their God. They're so foolish. And then after the earthquake and all the changes that free, he's like, I need that God. And, you know, people are watching our lives. And when everyone's scared and we have confidence in God, when everyone is panicking and full of anger and we're exuding love and grace, man, people around us see it. It impacts them. And he sees Paul and Silas. He says, what must I do to be saved? And then he takes them. Okay, I love this. And the next verse says, he took them in the same hour. So, okay, think about this. It's still midnight. It's one in the morning. It's the middle of the night. That's the point. And he washes their wounds and he was baptized at once. So it's like, let's say two in the morning and he's waking up his wife and his kids and he's like, we're getting baptized. They didn't take a class. It's just like, let's go. We're trusting in God. And he takes his family in the middle of the night and they're baptized immediately as a profession of faith in the Lord. This is so cool. I love it. And then, um, yeah, and you see the impacts of this right, right away. So title of the message once again, I choose, I choose to sing. And and today what we want to do is, um, I want to encourage you to sing. I want to encourage you to sing. Um, I'm going to invite Jace to come up, um, wherever he is. Jace is going to come up and join me on the stage and he's going to, he's going to play some music as I close out the message. And I'm going to explain why he's doing that in just a moment. Um, but while we're waiting for him to come, I want to show this little diagram of a brain. All right, here's your brain. Brain is divided up into two hemispheres. You didn't think you were getting away without more science, did you? Brain is divided up into two hemispheres. There's the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere. How many of you knew that? Okay, a bunch of you. Some of you may actually have heard about the the different aspects of the left uh, side of the brain, the right hemisphere, and what they do. And you might even say, I'm a left brain person or a right brain person. So these are some of the attributes. So a left brain person or somebody who, who operates more out of the left side of their brain focuses on facts. And someone who is more right-brained or, or accesses the right lobe of the brain is more focused on feelings. So just with that one statement, you can already start to be like, yeah, I'm this or that. Like, you, can, you just know uh, based on the people you're talking to. left brain people focus on details. right brain, big picture, how everything connects. left brain focused on knowing. It's information. right brain, believing. The stuff you can't see. left brain, safety. Right? How do we protect and safe and all that stuff? The right brain is risk-taking. What adventure is out there? And of course, n- neither of these are bad. In fact, we need both in our lives. You need both. To, they, that's why you have two lobes of your brain and you use both of them. And certain activities, the left side of your brain is firing. And then other activities, the right side of your brain is firing. And they work together to, to help you navigate life. This is how God has designed us. And we've got these two. The left brain is strategy and the right brain is possibility. Now, as I was, I was studying the science of sound, uh, what I found was very interesting is that music is one of the activities. Listening to music, playing music, singing is one of the activities that uses both sides simultaneously. So when they scan a brain, listening to music, playing music, both sides are firing, which is really cool. Music has a way to connect both. And so... I asked Jason to come up and play, and often at the end of a sermon, I'll have someone play some music, and it's like, well, that's like a televangelist, you know, tactic. Well, no, actually, most of my sermon, I'm talking to your left side of the brain. I'm like, this is what the Bible says. This is true. What do you think? And I'm asking you to reason and logic. But sometimes we need to feel. And when the music enters, it starts to connect both sides of your brain, and you start to absorb it in both ways. 
You know, if you're ever watching a movie, you'll notice this. There'll be like this silence and you'll just hear, you know, two people talking and all of a sudden the music will start to come in and you can feel emotion rising. You start to connect with the characters. And in fact, based on the music that comes in, you kind of know what's happening next too because music is an energy and it kind of shapes. Have you ever seen a movie where they have the wrong soundtrack? It's, it's totally weird. You're like, that's the wrong music for this moment. So, so music is a way. This is why, by the way, they've studied little children and parents put their kids in music lessons and they take piano lessons. They learn to play an instrument. What happens is... Um, the connection between the two sides of the brain actually grows and increases, allowing the child or the adult to access both sides more freely. Isn't that cool? And I was, it was cool, too, because it's not just for kids. Adults can do this, too. I was reading a book while I was on sabbatical last summer, and there was this business leader. I cannot remember the name. I apologize. But he was, like, trained in Harvard Law, super analytic, ran a multi-billion-dollar business. And... He wasn't doing well emotionally and family, and he took a year of break and just left the industry and went to, I think, Bali. And, and maybe it was six months about ago. So they go away, and while he's there, he starts taking painting classes. This is like a left-brain lawyer, like details, facts, and he's getting the oil paints out. And I've seen his paintings. They're not that great. But he started to meditate. He started to cycle. He started to do art. What was he doing? He was developing the other side of his brain. And afterwards, he came back and was a better leader for it. I just think it's so fascinating. So when we sing, music affects both sides. I think we've got a slide that says that. Both hemispheres of our brain. So again, if everything I'm telling you is true, then it makes sense for us to sing. But how much better is it when we lift up our God? When we sing things that are true? When we talk about his goodness and what we're singing and what we're saying begins to align with what God has said, it amplifies. And that's what I love about singing together as a church. When we do it, it's we're vibrating the same energy. We're worshiping the same God. It brings unity. And as we sing to him, it not only changes us, but it changes everything around us. A couple last scriptures I want to share with you. Uh, Psalm 150, verse 6 says, let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Who's that include? Everybody, everybody. Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. You know, some people uh, might uh, say, well, you know, pastor, um, <laughs> I don't sing because I'm not a good singer. And I would just like to remind you that um, no one else has your voice. See, you can't let someone else sing for you. You've got to praise him. You've got to open your mouth. The nice thing about when we sing together is that nobody can hear you because we're all singing together. That's really cool. Someone else might say, you know, I don't know. Singing is kind of a, I hate to use old stereotypes because I know culture is moving way beyond this. And it's probably good that we are, you know, that it's kind of a feminine thing. And you're all like, really? Well, listen, I grew up in church and the choir was often like 40 ladies and one guy. And it was like the, the women were always loving to sing and the men were kind of like eh, holding back like it wasn't, wasn't cool or macho, which I think is just crazy. As I think about the scriptures, the, one of the greatest worshipers in scripture, you know who he was? King David, who was like the manliest man you could ever have, like Braveheart, leading his men into battle, covered in blood, killing giants and stuff. 
And then after battle, he would wash himself off, pick up his harp, and just start crying before the Lord and singing love songs to, to God. That's a real man with a harp. Worshiping. It's like, oh, I'm too cool to worship. No, no, if David wasn't too cool, trust me, you're not too cool to worship. So we open our mouths and we sing. And when we sing what is true and we lift up the God of heaven, we, we're literally vibrating and emanating energy that aligns with what God has said. And it gets amplified as we sing together. Does this make sense? So Jay's going to lead us in a song. I'm going to grab my guitar and join him. And uh, we're just going to sing a song together. So would you guys stand with me? Um, let's, before he goes, though, let's, uh, we'll just do a little uh, vocal warm-up. <clears throat> you ready for this? Um, yeah, so just give me a note. We just need to start. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, like, set up. Uh, we got we got three sections. we got the left section, the center section, the right section. So let's try. Um, over here, I want you guys to sing. Uh, got to hear you. Okay, now you guys are going to go. Uh, and then. Uh, okay, let's try that together. Uh, keep going, though. Uh, uh, beautiful, you're ready. You guys sound great, by the way. Nailed it. <laughs> Pour out. 
death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. Your silence a boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no sounds that come out of our body align with what you have said and what is true and what is right and what is honorable. Lord, that we might amplify your goodness, not only in our lives, but in those around us. Pray, Father, that we would be people who, who worship you, who sing songs, who, who not only respond to the good things that you do, but who choose to worship by faith in spite of what we see. Help us to do that on Monday, on Wednesday, on Friday, and on Saturday, every day in every place. May we rejoice and give thanks in all things because of who you are in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Please be seated. Jess is going to come and close us out.